0: Guys, welcome back to another episode of the all things strength and wellness podcast i'm your host once again robbie burke and we are brought to you by upmentorship.com one of the top strength and conditioning resources available online today to get instant access to almost 20 hours of world-class online video strength and conditioning information go to upmentorship.com and help support the show This episode's guest is Strength and Conditioning Coach Dennis Logan from EXOS. Dennis serves as a Performance Specialist in the Education Department at EXOS. Prior to joining EXOS, he was a Strength and Conditioning Coach at Aviator Sports Performance in New York. On this episode, Dennis and I discuss many topics including Dennis's background and influences, all things strength development, Dennis's training philosophy, what concepts from Westside Barbell that we can take and use with our athletes, Dennis's top resources, his advice to all coaches, and much more. This was a really great show, guys, and I hope you enjoy it. Okay, Coach Dennis Slogan, it is an absolute pleasure to finally have you on my show. You've been someone I've been looking to get on the podcast now for almost two years since Nicole Rodriguez was like, you got to get fucking Dennis Slogan on your podcast. And I was like, right. And that's a very bad impression of Nicole, so I apologize. But she was, she was all... She was all saying to me, "You got to get Dennis on," and uh, so it's it's a pleasure to have you on. But just for the for the listeners, Dennis, who may not know uh, too much about you, who you are, let's just fill us in on your background.
1: Yeah, my name is Dennis Logan. I'm, I'm a uh, I'm currently the director of performance for elite sport. It's over here at Exos, uh, formerly known as Athletes Performance. Uh, I'm also currently the performance manager at our Frisco facility, right outside Dallas, Texas. I uh, just moved here about six weeks ago. Mm. Um. I'm, Company for seven and a half years officially. I interned here, so it's really been about eight years that I've been here. Um, came on as a, a performance specialist, so essentially a strength coach for the company um, uh, for the last eight years. And I've been in the strength and conditioning, quote unquote, profession or, or doing what we do for, for about 12 years. So, I uh, played American football and ran track in high school. Um, I've got a master's degree in health and fitness management and uh, i've also got a bachelor's degree in communications with a m- minor in philosophy so uh that's that's pretty much my my general backstory um, uh, outside of the uh any other detail so that's me
0: awesome just the the audio's a little bit jumpy, but if it gets any worse, we'll, we'll stop and and we'll like we'll recall. Or whatever. It's just a tiny tiny. Your your audio's great, but you're kind of skipping in and out a tiny bit. Now it's probably my connection as well, but just so I'm always every time I meet listeners, I was like, your podcast is great, but your audio sometimes I was like, there's nothing I can do. I can't control the internet. What's what like? What do you want me to do? Like so, uh, but. Uh, um, I just had some, oh yeah, something I was gonna to say to you. How, for how long do you think you're gonna to have to say Exos formerly athletes performance? <laughs> I'm always making yeah, it, you know, I'm always making know, a joke about that. No
1: yeah, it's so true. I think we are approaching the point where we may not have to say that much anymore. You know, it was interesting. Last year when we went through the whole rebrand, we had to say it every minute that we got. Yeah. You know, um, because it was so new for everyone. I actually think that we're getting pretty close to the point where we won't have to say that anymore. Maybe another year or so but um but but we're getting there. Uh more and more pe- people are knowing us as Exos and knowing us for, for what we're doing now which is great. Let me say, you know, we used to be at these performances, and they go, Oh, I remember that company and it's like well the same company. So um so, so get to the point where we don't have to say it anymore but um but still gotta throw it in there for safekeeping.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. All right, so Dennis, the, a question I always ask everyone just in, in, the, in the initial stages of the interview is who, who's been your biggest influence, now, not only on as a coach, but even as, as a person. Who, who would you say has influenced you the most?
1: Yeah, you know, I think you're going to hear nine times out of ten people are going to say their mothers, right? Um, I think uh, mm. my family has been a huge influence. You know, um, My family is originally from Jamaica. My parents Mike, migrated to, to the United States uh, in their 20s. I'm the only one in the family that was born in the States. And so, um, and my parents divorced very early, so without really giving too much personal information. Um, my, my mother to raise my brother and I, um, as a single mother, my dad was around. It's not uh, one of those sad stories where, uh, I didn't know my dad at all, I actually go very well, but, um, my mother definitely did raise the two of us, and, uh, and, uh, seeing her raise the two of us, two young boys in New York, uh, New York City for that matter, um, there was a, there was a lot of discipline. There was a lot of focus on education. Um, my mother worked two jobs, a lot of times straight up until 2 a.m. Um, there, were lots of, there were lots of mornings where uh, my mother was fast asleep, but she would wake up to get my brother and I ready for church uh, and then go back to sleep while she made us walk there and go to church. So uh, in terms of, 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 of work ethic, in terms of discipline, in terms of, you know, a complete focus on education and understanding that um, you're never too tired to, to make sure that the fundamentals are executed. Like I said, her beginner sh- make sure that she woke up and made us get ready for church and go to church, uh, even though she'd been working until 2 in the morning. Um, th- that that level of discipline and, and that level of understanding of what's completely important and not wavering from it uh, had a huge impact on, on me. And that's one of the things that, um, in, in everything that I do, even in, in the weight room, um, that, that level of dedication, I think, is applied. and that de- definitely comes from her um, and, and from you know a general culture in Jamaica that uh, is, is joked about a lot but it's very, very true where uh, um, there's no limitation on the amount of work that you can do. Um, uh, hard-working people, um, very simple but at the same time understanding that uh, simplicity doesn't allow for, for laziness, uh, simplicity doesn't allow for a lack of effectiveness. If anything, um, it can make you even more effective. So in a general sense of understanding what you can do and that um, complicating things doesn't necessarily make things better. Um, I definitely get that from her and I definitely get that from, from a culture that really tries to uh, really try to I think exemplifies everything that they do So um so so in a general sense she's definitely and um, the biggest influence on me, along with my older brother. I have the two of them up really Shake Hawaii, um, and that's really just bled over into everything else that, that I've done, and then I've been affected by many people, um, uh, to this
0: point. That's brilliant stuff. I tell you what, we're just quickly gonna pause. Cool. All, all right. So that's a that's a great answer, Dennis. So obviously, you know, your your mother sounded like a, a person who really instilled serious work work ethic. I mean, to to go to bed at four in the morning and then get you guys back up so you could go to church. And what was it like having to go from New York then, like to like Arizona? Like it's very different worlds there. Like and and also. How did you manage? Like, what brought you towards being you know a young kid from New York to strength and conditioning?
1: Yeah, so uh um, I guess to answer the first question, uh, to give a bit more background, um, uh, because my parents were from 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 Jamaica, because my mother uh, was a single mother, she would send us back to Jamaica every summer. So from I was six weeks old, wow. uh, I'd spend ten weeks in in Jamaica with my grandparents. So uh, leaving we. Le- Leaving New York was not something that was, was strange, and especially leaving New York to go to, um, you know, uh, my, my grandparents lived in, in a rural part of the country. Mm. Uh, that adaptation was not difficult by the time it was time to leave yeah. uh, New York for professional reasons. Um, I actually ended up uh, being an exchange student twice. Uh, uh, I was an exchange student. I went to Venezuela when I was 17, and I went to Manhattan when I was 20. So I had a pension for leaving New York. Um, I, I loved it there city, but um, but I'm not one of the New Yorkers that felt like I needed to be there. Um, i never leave the neighborhood. Uh, that's where I was. I was actually somebody was looking to leave the neighborhood. So, um, that's something that I, I, I enjoy doing. So, leaving New York for Arizona was not something that was difficult for me. Um, the interesting thing about uh, sports in the United States is that there are lots of areas of this country where um, it is it's treated that you can make a profession out of sports right so there are lots of areas like texas where i am now it's not far fetched for you to think that child will become a professional football player or that your child will become a professional baseball player it's not something that's far fetched. it's actually something that parents here put a lot of energy into because they believe it's something that can be achieved um new york is not that way especially when i grew up with parents that were not from the united states so like i said it was never treated that you're going to play football in high school so that you can get a scholarship in college and become a professional football player. Sports were seen as something that boys did. That's something that boys did in Jamaica. So we were always taught that we were supposed to be active. Um, I played every sport imaginable when I was in high school, but never with the idea that it was going to be my profession. It was something that I did um, because that's what boys do. Um, so I love sports. Um, I played every sport that you could think of, but never thought about it as being a profession. Um, um the break is, is that I grew up as an American, right? So so the thing is, is, I grew up in a culture where you can make a profession out of sports in some way, shape, or form. So, um, so when I got to, to, to college, I knew I wasn't going to be a professional athlete. But the idea of staying in athletics was something that I treated very seriously. Um, so it, it was when I got to I got through my undergrad that I realized, you know, what? Because I wasn't going to be a professional athlete didn't mean that I could be a professional pro in the athletic field so that's when I started to seriously consider strength and conditioning because I realized that I spent all of my time thinking about how I could have been a better athlete in school and how I could help my friends or other people be better athletes at what they did. Um, and so that's, that, that's when that change started to happen when I realized uh, it didn't mean I, I had to leave it behind and that you know um, there are people that are professionals in this business that are very successful that are not necessarily athletes. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think uh, I, I think that's the story with uh, with a lot of us in terms of, you know, we were all into sport at some stage and, you know, uh, definitely over in America because, you know, it's such a... the population's so much bigger there that the likelihood of, you know, getting to professional sports is quite small, but the next best thing then is to be involved in it as a coach. is similar to, like, Joe DeFranco's story where, you know, he... He wanted to be an NFL player, and you know, he, then he hurt his back, and he was like, "Well, then the next best thing was to be a strength and conditioning coach." So he's like, "I just have to be involved in sport." And same with myself. We have uh, traditional Gaelic games over here, like, and I loved hurling, but I was never going to play at the top level. But I always knew if I, whatever I was going to work at it, it was going to be something to do in sport, and that's how I fell in love. Then obviously with strength and conditioning and human performance.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're kind of in this golden age of, of physical training where it's. Especially in the United States, where it's 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 accepted, you know what I mean. Um, it's still in its infancy, but it's definitely something that's treated with a degree of seriousness, where uh, you can pursue it, be very very successful at it, and, and gain, gain the respect that you look for in any other profession. So um, it would definitely fortunate to be to be a part of it right now.
0: What would you say are the the biggest problems you see within the strength and conditioning profession?
1: You know, I, I wouldn't say that it's a problem. I don't know if I see problems, what I see are growing pains, you know. Um, exactly like I was saying before, we're, we're in this age where it's starting to be respected and so there's a lot of research being done, um, there's a lot of experimentation, there's a lot of cross-pollination um, that, that's taking place where, you know, physical therapy and it's influences on strength and conditioning are, are, are very, very strong, and hopefully so. So um, we always talk about this pendulum swing that we see happening, right? You know, when you think about... Um, the, the 1960s and 1970s when bodybuilding was huge, you know, there was this kind of underground culture that existed where it was not, you know, um, widely accepted. You know, there there was those people that trained. That's when you're talking about the starting to grow. I think it's positive, and so there are lots of people that are jockeying for their position that what they're, they're doing is correct, right? Mm. So um, you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of um, adopting. Of a one particular way of thinking and thinking that this is the right way to get things done, and I think that's what you see more often than not. You, you see um, uh, the pendulum swing to one side very, very strongly, um, and then you have your group of people that say, "Oh, that that's not you know that's not strength and conditioning, or that's you know they're they're they're, they're taking it easy." And then you have the other side where it's you know the the dumb job that doesn't end, um, the intricacies of movement and and so. What I see is that battle and that sort of jockey for position over over what is quote unquote right that's happening. And it's not a problem, but uh, it's just the growth of the in- industry where people are going to find out that it's not just all quote unquote corrective, but all low little person up as as possible. It's the, the marrying of the two and understanding that strength is about efficiency. And the two things uh, are, are, are necessary in order for that to happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it's um it's 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 just kind of uh the problem is is the the camps that are being built um and 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 that's not a problem that's natural but uh with with the growth of, of what's going on i think that will all start to settle at some point um there's just a lot going on right now you know thomas Plummer says we're at that tipping point and we are you know we're at a tipping point in this industry where you can make a lot of money we're learning a lot of things to, there's a lot of technology. There's just a lot to it right now, and um, make, making sense of it all is where the difficulty is. That's not a problem. It's just part of the
0: process. Yeah, so. yeah. It's it's, it is. Uh, that's a good way to put it. That it's it's at a tipping point. But I, I suppose kind of to, to continue on there w- 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 with your answer in that you know there's these certain camps. You know, so Olympic lifting guys and and powerlifting guys and then CrossFit guys and all that. Again, it kind of just comes down to like the environment dictates the expression of the organism so you're a product of your environment if you come from an Olympic lifting background that's all you know well then you think everyone should train that way and the same with powerlifting and all that but I guess like it's 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 the person who can kind of step back with a critical mind and take the best out of all those areas and combine it together And I suppose that's what you've kind of been exposed to at, at Exos yeah you know the, 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 the,
1: the critical component and you said it is understanding not only what you're working with but the person that you're applying it
0: to yeah, yeah right so yeah
1: so if all you've if all you've ever done is Olympic weightlift, and you're training with people that all they've ever done is Olympic weightlift, then you're you're in the right position, right? Yeah. Um, perfect. Um, if all you've ever done is Olympic weightlift, and you're working with people that have never done it, um, that's where the issue that's where it becomes an issue, right? Because um, the, the the critical piece for a coach is not to understand that's just how things have worked on them, but to have that 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 keen insight on how it is going to affect the person that you're working with, and I think that's where the problem um, is largely, uh, that's where the the, the difficulty of what we do largely comes from. right? Not every great athlete is a great coach, for that same reason, right? You've got the greatest athletes in the world that are not necessarily the greatest coaches in in the world because they have a misunderstanding of how what has been applied to them truly applies to other people um, in their unique circumstances. So it's understanding the application of what it is you are applying to another person—that's supremely important, and that's where the best chat coaches come from—is understanding how to apply that to the person they have in front of them, and um, and that's the that's the hardest part of what we do. That's why it takes so long to be very, very, very good at this. It's getting past the "this worked on me" and getting to that "this is how this is going to work on you," and knowing how to um, assign those. Those parameters correctly, but it's Olympic lifting, CrossFit, whatever, whatever it is you want to choose. Mm. It's knowing how what you're applying to somebody else will work on
0: them. Yeah, it's it's again like I you often hear this from a lot of people, and I would often say it. It all comes down to context, like who are we talking about, what's the situation, and you know, it's it's i love this saying from eric cressy i've said it loads of times on the show when it comes to like exercises because again people are like oh that's a bad exercise or this is a bad," or that's a bad method and it's like there is no bad exercises or methods there's only just bad application like don't conjure indicate an exercise or a method conjure indicate the person not the other way around so again it's just all about context right you know, you know who are we talking about the situation and you put it perfectly there if if you are an olympic lift if all you know is olympic lifting but you go into a group of people who've never done it you know, it's like everything. It's like when you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. It's just that's just not that's just not a situation where that's that that's gonna work. Like, but again, you know, it's just it's about combining the best of everything together. But the the yeah. oh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh,
1: uh, yeah, and jump in there real quick, I, and I don't want to be misconstrued mis- mis- because I think that's an important point. It's not that what you're going to do isn't going to work, right? So if all I've ever done is Olympic weightlift and I get a group of people that have never Olympic weightlifted before, it's not that my applying or teaching them the Olympic weightlift is not going to work. It's understanding what it is I want to achieve from the Olympic weightlift yeah, and yeah. making sure that that's correctly decided. right? So like with kids, I love people that teach kids to Olympic weightlift if their objective is teaching better coordination. Mm. If it's power development, then I think that the application... Of Olympic weightlifting in that scenario is incorrect, not because you're doing it with kids, but because what you're trying to achieve from the application is probably been misguided. Same thing with adults, right? So I'm for Olympic weightlifting if what you're trying to do is correct. So for kids, if I'm teaching them to be better coordinated with a bar, I'll teach them Olympic weightlifting to blow in the face because that's the correct, in my mind, that's the correct application corner, unquote, of that particular skill set. If it it's because everybody says, you know what? Olympic weightlifting is the best way to develop power, which is true in people that are proficient at it, meaning that they can move a load at the correct speed to be able to develop that. Um, so that's what I mean. It's not you have to choose something different. It's hopefully you completely understand why you have chosen that skill set for the person that you have in front of you. So so that's where it becomes effective. It's not i got to choose something different. Hmm. It's what exactly am I trying to get from this because this is what this person Needs a 15-year-old is not, and I say this generally, but a 15-year-old or 14-year-old is not going to be able to do a hand clean or a power clean, or uh, 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 and really upgrade their nervous system from a power expression perspective. But the the coordinative skill sets that they learn by learning how to do that is going to upgrade them in a way to where they're going to see improvements in their performance because it's a very very difficult thing to do from coordinative standpoint. The load is not going to up them but the the, the skill and the technique that they're going to have to learn will so that's where that becomes effective so you're not necessarily saying i'm doing this to upgrade their power quote-unquote from a nervous system upgrading perspective you're going to improve their efficiency from a coordinator standpoint that's good making sure that you've got that correct understanding that's where the improvement comes from is where i'm saying that it needs to be effective Mm. whereas the person that's been doing it forever is going to get it from a different arena
0: yeah no definitely 100%, 100% agree like, and, and for me just cap that off again it's, it's just it's context so I've never turned around and be like oh then big lifting is terrible lifting this? but your answer is perfect uh, exactly 100%, 100% agree to everything you said there Dennis uh, I, I got you on because uh, as we jokingly said uh, offline and, and at the start N- Nicole told me to get in contact with you because she was saying no, if you really want to talk about strength development Dennis is, is your guy like so in terms of of, uh, of strength development you know, and even maybe get into your sort of training principles, and some people use the word philosophy, some people prefer the word principles. You know, what 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 is your overriding you know uh, principles when it comes to training and strength development?
1: Um, I you know I, it's it's hard hard to say that I have philosophical principles. I believe in uh, in the adequate application of load, which also goes back to the last thing that I said. Mm. Um, I think I think more often than not. Um, the correct load chosen to actually develop strength is the hardest thing to learn and it's probably the thing that is least, uh, at least in in the learning process, least um, uh, achieved among strength coaches. I think that strength development, uh, and it sounds very simplistic and everybody's going to be like, well yeah of course, Um, but I don't know how effective it's done. That's why I think the best strength coaches in the world, people like Louis Simmons, people like Charles Poliquin, um, people like, like Dave Tate. You know, I think the 5-3-1 sort of explosion from Jen Wendler comes from the fact that he laid out a very simple but very effective way for you to manage load in order to get sh- strength gains. Um, you know what I mean? He said, this is... You're doing too much. A lot of people think that this is the load that, you know, the, the 1RM and the percentage it's in. You know, he had to to, to, to make it very clear, no, this is where you're going to work, to be able to see strength gains and people are like, oh, my God. Um, so loading your athletes, loading your clients, loading yourself, and understanding how load is manipulated to truly create or develop strength, I think is, I don't know if that's a philosophy, I don't know if that's a principle, but it's a focus. And it's something that I think when you master that, that is when people actually you start to get strong. When you understand what is happening to the nervous system and the upgrade or the lack of the upgrade that is actually t- taking place is where you actually start to see strength gains. Um, I think a lot of what is taught from a strength development standpoint, like I said, percentages or you know variation and, and progressive overload and all of these key terms that, yeah, without a doubt, are extremely important. Um, those, are, those are the fundamentals, but when you really get to strength development, you really get to looking at the force velocity curve, and you really start to look at what it is um, uh, leads to the expression of force. Um, uh, Understanding that um, is really the the, the most critical piece. Um, So learning how to load your athlete so you're actually getting the nervous system response that you love, which is an increase in the expression of force. Loading the person. And then, of course, efficiency of movement in that movement. um, You know, I'm not going to ever get a
0: I suppose again it's going to depend on the individual in terms of how you would program that like what will be your typical template like let's say if you had 12, 12 weeks with with an athlete and I, I, again maybe you need to say right give me a little more context here are they beginner or novice or professional but if you had 12 weeks to say to get a, a reasonably trained individual ready for College football or something like that. How how are you breaking down that strength development? If if strength is a limiting factor in this individual, do you break it into three four week blocks? Are you using block periodization? Are you accumulating intensive fine realizing, or are you going to use some undulation? Are you going to use the West Side method of building up to some sort of max?
1: Or well, I think there are a number of different things. You know, that's that. There's a lot that goes into it. The, the first thing I'll say is, uh, I, you know, definitely come. Uh, The first thing I'd say is I have to choose the exercise, the movement, and then the implement that is going to allow me to get to where I want to get as quickly as possible. So the the greatest example that I use uh, um, is that with 90% of the athletes that I work with, and I can say that pretty strongly, 90% of the athletes that I work with, I don't straight bar back squat them, I safety squat them. And a lot of people say, well, why? And I said because it takes the shoulders out of the equation, right? Um, uh, the vast majority of athletes that I'm going to work with are not going to have the shoulder mobility to be able to get behind a straight bar and squat efficiently to where we can actually have them move a load that's truly going to challenge their nervous system because they're put in the most efficient position possible. Um, for me, the safety squat will do that because it takes the shoulders out of the equation, which means that it's going to allow them to get their torso in a position that's going to allow them to support a weight, hand, enough for them to really start moving away closer to what their nervous systems are able to to, to operate against, right? So uh, we have this discussion with a lot of the coaches here. If you have a guy that can straight bar back squat, and let's just say for a regular athlete, he can straight bar back squat 405, which is plenty strong. Don't get me wrong. But that's still run they They can straight bar back squat 405. But if I put that person under a safety squat bar, which means that they're able to put their torso in a more effective position, and they can safety squat 650, which is not unheard of, that's a difference of 250 pounds on the system. That's a huge difference. What that's telling me is that in the position that they were in a straight forward back squat, that's what their nervous system could efficiently handle in that position, which is a lot of weight, but it's not 650. When we're talking about just the pure expression of force, meaning that I can move this load at this velocity to be able to achieve this force, and I can increase that by two hundred and fifty pounds. That's an upgrade to the nerve because I put them in a more efficient position, which gets me closer to them be, being stronger, right? So that's the first thing that I look at. So, so, the the FMS, the people that are that that have argued with the 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 you know the the, the efficiency of the FMS or, or the validity of the FMS or the reliability of the FMS. One thing it's done is it's allowed somebody like me to be able to say, all right, you know what? I've never thought of about this in this way before how is this affecting this person from being strong and it has completely impacted my choice of implement in a particular movement that's going to allow me to get closer to them moving a weight and applying force in a movement pattern that i was looking to develop to begin with that is going to enhance their strength capabilities without question and it's going to keep them healthy right does that mean that we don't work on shoulder mobility and i want to get out side of the question too much, no, we're going to work on that currently, but it is a lot, I'm going to look at how I'm loading, again, getting back to how I'm loading this person so that we're actually getting closer to what is going to seed type of strength gains, which is an upgrade in the nervous system that I would not have gotten in this other position, right? So that's my first thing. If I'm choosing a movement to develop strength, am I putting them in the best position, not only from i I'm going to be able to coach the squat well, no but from what i'm choosing them to move what i'm choosing for them to move is that the best implement that is really going to get them as close to their nervous system potential as possible and and so that's where i start so before it's undulating or or wave loading or no because then that changes everything Mm. right because then that changes the load that i'm going to choose to begin with um so i start there what's the best what's the best way for me to load this well? Is it straight bar deadlifting or trap bar deadlifting? Um, is it safety squatting or straight bar back squatting? Is it, you know, you know what I mean? And I have to look at that because I have to be able to see where we're gonna push the force continuum and at a speed to actually develop strength. Because again, that's what strength is, right? Strength is the ability to express force and force is mass, is, is mass times acceleration. And I gotta see how I can maximize those two pieces first before anything else. Um, and, and when I'm putting them in a position where they can maximize both the mass and acceleration side of that equation, then I, I know I'm developing strength, right? Um, so, so that becomes the first point.
0: Brilliant, brilliant, no, brilliant. I mean, I, I mean that that makes sense because uh, you know, obviously talking to Cal Dietz and reading his work, and then there's an Irish there there's an Irish-based strength coach here. Um, his name is uh, Paul McElroy. Um, he's very well known in sort of the strong first community but paul and, and cal have very similar thought processes paul actually has a great saying i only heard him say it on the perry nicholson podcast recently he he says you don't develop strength strength is granted and, and what he meant was that what we're trying to do and you just alluded to it there like the central nervous system has a handbrake on our force output capabilities it won't it, it just it won't let us express the force ca- force output output capabilities that we actually can produce because, because it's afraid it will rip bones and tenons off so what we're trying to do oh, is well. what we're trying to do essentially with strength training is to diminish that protective mechanism by our central nervous system and to do that it's through loading as you've just completely alluded to so that's why obviously you know you're saying if i can load them more with the safety squat i will and obviously the reason why you can load them more in in one regard because if, if i don't have the shoulder mobility again to get into a back squat that's actually perceived now as a threat to my system. Like my nurses, is like, oh, this is killing my shoulders. And then the, the nervous system too worried about the threat of the pain or the discomfort in the shoulder to allow you to express force in your lower extremities. So, I mean, that makes great sense. It's a great answer. And, and it's just, again, it's kind of where I'm at the, uh, at the moment after studying Cal and Cal's work and, and Paul's work, you know. So essentially what we're trying to do is diminish that that, that protective mechanism of the central nervous system. On our force output capability, so I mean that's great. Uh, moving on, yeah. m- moving on from that, then Dennis, or do you want to add anything to that, dear? Yeah,
1: I do real quickly because you you brought up Cal Leeds which which uh, again he's been a huge. Uh, i reading and stuff. I don't know him personally, but huge influence. And um, what I love about uh, about what he's doing is also understanding that um, force is not only expressed concentrically. Um, when we talk about it yeah. sure. But, but there are these other supporting components, i.e. isometric strength, eccentric strength, that lead to that as well. And that's something that we can't, that we also can't um, ignore. So 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 go back to your original question, do I think about, so so that's the second piece. Uh, if I could add the second piece to that. Is, yeah, hey, go ahead. Yeah, what's the movement and, and how best are we gonna load it? And then the second piece is rounding out the other two most neglected parts of strength development, which are isometric strength and eccentric strength. Mm. Um, uh, again, too often, the, the the assumption is is that if I'm going to choose a method of loading, like you said, undulating or, or whatever, it's still only in the concentric context. Yeah. So for me, uh, if you said, hey, we're going to get 12 weeks, and I know that Cal does this, has expressed this in tri-phase of training, and, and it's, all right, first of all, what's going to be the movement quality? Like you said, B, what's going to be the implement? And then See, rounding out everything else before we even get before we get started, because that's where we get started. But making sure that um, those you understand, and that those are the things that are going to be completed before we can go any further. Um, so, so that's the other part is, is making sure that we round out those other those, those other elements as well.
0: Yeah, that's great, great stuff. In in terms then of uh, uh, like. You, you know you mentioned like the likes of Louis Simmons and and, and uh, the West Side Method. I mean, the one thing I suppose that's kind of come up lately over the last while is how applicable are certain things from Westside because you know it is geared towards multiplied lifters. Like how how much of Westside do you think can be implemented into strength development for you know for athletes that obviously aren't powerlifters? I think I think the the the,
1: the principles of Westside can be applied to anyone. Uh, um, not the not the um, taking out out of a specific workout and applying it to somebody else. So What I mean by, by that is the the dedication to a dynamic effort day, the dedication to a submax day, the dedication to a day where you're saying the focus is on acceleration, the focus is on understanding that in order for you to develop strength, it's not just always about increasing the load, mm. but the the, the 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 teaching principle that again. Force equals mass times acceleration, and you can't forget the other side of that part of the equation. Yeah. That is where Westside has been most influential for me. Hmm. It's not, not from having a max effort day, a dynamic effort day, exactly the way we understand it to look, but it's from understanding that strength development comes from manipulating both sides of that equation. Yeah. And for the large part, too many people just feel like it only comes from one side. If you can lift a heavier load, you've gotten stronger. Yeah. And I think that's why many, many, many people plateau because they don't understand that that's not the only way you get stronger. That's where the biggest part of Westside has come in, at least for me, is understanding that there has to be that acceleration side and there has to be a dedication to it, and that's where that function is going to come from. So in that regard, I think it applies to everyone.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: I think it applies to everybody. Are you going to do a Westside workout that you pull off a of Westside Barbell's website? right and just apply it to everybody no and hopefully you're not doing that anyway right like, hopefully <laughs> your, your your application of, of, of a thought process isn't, t- isn't taking somebody else's workout I and mean, going ah this shit doesn't work like uh, no of course not they're powerlifters. you're right it's not going to work if you take a powerlifting workout yeah but the principles that. behind it absolutely
0: so uh just kind of going on to that you know you mentioned dynamic effort and obviously when people think about that they think about the bands and the chains and Last year you had Dan Baker out there at, at Exos. Um I I I I assume that you were at, you you were at that, were you? Um I saw a video. I
1: actually wasn't at
0: that. I was over there. Um well, I mean, I watched the videos too. So from from Dan Baker ha, like what what did you take away from that from his presentation on using bands and chains for strength development? So I think I think the the one thing and,
1: and Dan is is real good at this is is understanding that there's got to be a level of experimentation, right? So understanding exactly what loads, what percentages, what you can do, you know, a lot of, of his has been a lot of his his understanding has been anecdotal, which I, I think is important, right? Um, the other piece is is he's working with, with professional athletes. Um, so so to your point, and I've heard Dave taste before. Uh, you don't use bands and chains to get quote unquote get people stronger. You've got to be strong to be able able to utilize them, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, I think the key piece to that is, is a lot of people feel like, I'm not strong, I'm going to utilize victims and chains to get strong. And, and no, there's still got to be a certain degree and a certain foundation of strength that you're going to have because it's still um, very, 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 very taxing on the nerve system because now you're really operating against the load the entire time at a certain speed at, um, at you know, the joint animal capabilities uh, entirely, so um, not just to, to, to the early question just saying, wow, oh, I've seen this, duh but I'm going to be able to apply this to this person again, understanding what the response is going to be and, and knowing if the person is right for it to begin with um, when they get to that point, then understanding what it's going to do to them um, becomes really critical, so I love the use of bands and chains but I don't use it with a lot of my athletes mm. because they're not strong enough a lot yeah. of them aren't strong enough to use it to begin with
0: yeah, and, and fairness to Dan, like he 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 made it blatantly clear numerous times. He's like, this is for like, I think he termed them like his level five athletes. You know, level one obviously being exactly. a kid or a beginner, and then like level five was like his pro professional ruby players who had like four to five to six years of proper development underneath their belts. Like, exactly
1: right. So, exactly right. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, and again, it's like I it is an advanced application. Oh, it is. Huh? like yeah. I mean, and, and we, you know, like we noticed too that the more novice the, the more novice you are the more general training um, modalities will carry over into other qualities so like i mean if you want to get faster and you've never strength trained just getting stronger you're generally going to get faster whereas when you build up your strength to a certain degree over a number of training years strength usually isn't your limit factor anymore to your rate of force development or your elastic strength or your speed so now you actually need to spend more time developing that Rate of force development or elastic strength or speed, whereas your it's not your strength being your limiting factor anymore. Whereas when you're a beginner, just getting strong like made you, made you more explosive and and buffered your elastic strength and made you faster because you were just so untrained. So it is. It's 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 definitely it's an advanced technique. And uh, there was uh, in in terms of this is a real real uh, question, interesting question, and one I wanted to ask you because you, you deal an awful lot with high level client or high level athletes. Uh-huh. How you know there's always this risk versus reward benefit and it, it's a question i always need to know like how far like will you go with an athlete in terms of i think the best way to, to sum it up is like you have a pro athlete they're on million dollar contract are you really going to load them up with a 650 safety bar squat co- compared to that like 17 18 year old who's like i want to get a division one you know scholarship and i'm going to do anything and he's robust and you know he, he'll recover better like where where are you in that terms? Because I know like there's there's still people out there who are like I don't give a, I don't care who you are we're going after it every day pro not a pro whatever. Whereas maybe you know me being a former intern at Mike Boyle's Mike is a bit more you know if they're professional I'm not I'm not putting heavy bars in their back or I just want to keep them earning a million dollars. You know what's your thought process in that? Are you still gonna chase strength or do, do you? Again, is it coming down to the context of, well, no, okay, if you're telling me this guy is a pro and he's a $10 million contract, I'm, I mightn't be as aggressive here with his strength development as I would be with, say, Tommy over there, who's 18, looking to get into Alabama for a Division I scholarship. It always, it,
1: it, in, in my opinion, Robbie, it all comes down to context. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it comes it comes down to where the person is at physically and mentally. Yeah. Um, if we get an athlete that comes in that, like you said, has a $10 million contract on a like, hey, man, I don't ever want to put, uh, I don't ever want to lift on two legs. No argument for me. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah. um, um, we, uh, But to be completely honest with you, we did have an athlete come in who may, is, is making more than $10 million um, it, and said, I need to get as big and as strong as possible. And you go, Jesus, uh, this person is making a whole lot of money. I definitely don't want to get hurt on my watch, but we got to get this person bigger and stronger. Mm. And then that's where I've got to know very, very keenly what they're capable of doing and not capable of doing. So to your, to your, to to that point, if the person has developed the ability to safety squat 650, I'm not, not going to not do it because they make $20 million. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. not put 650 on the back because they can't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. And that's where, again, you have to know what your person can do and can't do. It's, it's not because they're 18 and they want to get to Alabama. If they're 18 and they want to get to Alabama, they can't safety squat a 650, they're not doing yeah. Uh, um, and hopefully we develop them to the
0: Just just like the, the you you kind of actually you kind of actually asked my question better than I did. So like w- with that question, I, I I was kind of assuming that they, that like so with the pro athlete, he wants to do it and can do it, and that the the younger guy he can do it and he wants to do it as well. I was wondering with the pro athlete, you answered you answered the question anyway. You said that listen, if he wants to do it, and I know he can do it, we'll do it. But like I, there is, I know there is coaches that would be like, no, you're still not doing it because I think you could get injured. Uh, yeah. No 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 no, no. And, and if you think you can.
1: In- injured, if you think he can get injured, and for me, we're, we're lifting weights. There is always the possibility
0: yeah, yeah, for
1: yeah. something to happen, right? So, like, it's interesting. I talk about this with boxing, right? and there was a fight that happened this last weekend, and people were saying Mayweather versus Pacquiao. And this is the way I look at it. You can ask the question, do you think Pacquiao is going to win? My, my opinion was Pacquiao is not going to win. Now, does he have a puncher's chance, meaning that he catches Floyd with, with uh, an amazing punch that nobody would ever see him? And he won the fight. Absolutely, you've got a puncher's chance. But the probability that he was going to win is very, very low. So there's a possi- so, so, for me, understanding the word probability versus possibility is very, very important. And, it, and and understanding the difference between those two words is very, very important in our community. Is there a possibility that somebody can get hurt? There always is. There's a possibility that you can get hurt stepping off of a curb. That doesn't mean that you don't walk on the sidewalk. What you have to know is what the probability of the person getting hurt is. So when I look at a low, but if I look at the person getting under that load, whether it's a squat, whether it's a deadlift, whether it's a bench, I have to say to myself, is the probability that this person is going to get hurt very, 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 very high? And if that's the question, if that's the answer is yes, it's very, very high, then they, they don't do it. Mm. Is it the possibility that they're going to get hurt? There is always that possibility. If you're not really to take that possibility on. Then, then sure. Like I'm not gonna say don't err on the side of safety because you didn't know somebody that makes ten million dollars. But when I, when, but I, I would hope that you're you're weighing out the probability scenario, yeah, especially yeah. if the person is is saying I'm here to get better, and you're, and you know the way for them to get better is for us to be able to do this. Yeah. So, so that's that's the weight that we have to levy for that person, and that largely comes from what their mindset is. Mm, yeah, so if
0: definitely. Is
1: this what they would
0: yeah definitely yeah no definitely 'cause you know you just you'd often uh just in terms of that you know you'll often hear some coaches again I'm making the assumption here like this the 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 professional <laughs> athlete, the professional athlete he moves well, he can do the exercise, he wants to load it up you know he wants to test himself and and but you may have the strength coach who's like, i know we'll stick to this we' we're doing this today blah 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 and some coach would argue, but now, like, you know, there's there's a mindset element that you want to develop too, and, and, you know, so that will obviously carry over into his performance, so it's just little things like that, but, anyway, I think, like, we're getting into a question that I think could be just easily answered, is just, like, you know, can they do the exercise? Can they do, it is there, what's the safety, to, the risk-to-benefit ratio, can they do it, yes, well then, let's go for it. If they can't do it, well then, no. So, it's, it's always like one-around testing, like, I hate when people say one-around testing is dangerous. I'm like, it's not. Bad one-around testing is dangerous. If if, if one-around testing is dangerous, it's because you're a bad coach. It's as simple as that. It goes back to, there is no bad exercises or methods, it's just bad applications. Yeah, no, no, I don't disagree,
1: and, um... You know, for me, one-arm testing becomes, quote-unquote, becomes dangerous if the person isn't prepared to one-arm test.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. But you know I, mean? I mean, um, we're we're, well, we're answering an obvious question there again. Like, I mean, it's just like saying Olympic lifting is dangerous. It's like, it is if you load it up with a complete beginner and they have a clue what they're at, but obviously not when you know what you're doing.
1: Yeah. The other piece to this, Robbie, is that, and it's interesting because we're talking about uh, the high-profile athlete, the $10 million athlete that you're getting. Um, they also know what they're worth. <laughs> So so they will be very, very honest with you if they feel like what is before them is going to get in the way of them continuing to earn their money, right? So um, I'm not ever going to make them do something they are not completely focused on being able to do because they know that if it doesn't go well, oh, they're screwed, right? So it really becomes a lot easier than you think because you know your athlete's. You know what I mean? And that's the other piece. Um, you know what's going to motivate them. Motivating them is getting to that bar, and, you, and they can, you believe they can do it, and they can do it. That's a, they're going to do it. Yeah. Um, they're not going to put themselves in a position to where they're not earning that money. Yeah, so uh, it, it's really not as difficult a decision to make, in my opinion, um, than most would think if you're not letting your ego get in front of you and you're not letting their ego get in front of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, big time. I, I like it, it it is a hard thing to do, you know, as a coach, like uh like people always when they see me coaching in the gym, they're like they say like geez, I'm rootless in that like if, if I see something and it looks like shit, I'm like, take the weight off that, it's too heavy. Like, you know, where whereas other coaches are a bit like, Yeah, I don't know you know, well I now I, I, I'm a little more I'm not as not as rootless as that, but I'm just like, you know, I'd be like you know, I'd be like, Sean, that's ten kilo too heavy, go down in your next set, man. I'd be like that, you know what I mean? Whereas you know, it, it's kind of that that confrontation that the coach just doesn't want to have with his athletes. I'm like, you're doing them a disservice by not you know, you're the coach, you you are responsible for them, you need to go over there and say that's too heavy, you know. And then I always like, listen, if you get injured under my watch, it's my ass and I don't want you getting injured. And like I'm always trying to remind my guys who's like, you got like we play it's hurling and getting football or Irish sports, so let's say it's an American football player for you, it's just like your job is to be brilliant on the pitch it doesn't matter what you're doing in the weight room this is just all GPP work at the end of the day and that's the other thing, P- people get into such and contests, oh the back squat, the front squat Bulgarian split squats and it's just like, it's all GPP it's all GPP, unless you're unless you're an Olympic lifter or a power lifter, it's all GPP it's a how, how are they performing on the field, like there's, there's plenty of sport athletes who never lifted a weight and were still brilliant at their sport right <laughs> Uh, Dennis, I know you need to go soon, so we'll just we'll just wrap things up here. Just one question that's popped into my mind is in terms of uh, and I don't know how much of this you may do, but in terms of in season, there seems to be. You know, uh, I know from reading uh, David Joyce's latest book there the uh, high performance training for for sports book, there was a really uh-huh. good chap- chapter on in season strength training. And I think it was Stuart Yaw's chapter was really good, and, and you know Stuart came across very aggressive in his strength development. You know he's like we want to actually get stronger in season, uh, which I really liked. Um, if you were with a team in season, and again a, a rugby team or a, a top American football team, how aggressive would you be with your with your strength work?
1: Um, I, I again, I think it's a loaded question. I think it's difficult to say. Um, I I don't know if I would use the word aggressive. Um, uh, you know, especially when you're talking about something like American football. Yeah. There's um there's way there's way too much trauma.
0: Trauma. That yeah, takes place,
1: yeah. There's way too much trauma that takes place. On a regular basis in season in prof- professional football, for you for me to say I would use the word aggressive in strength training in season um, again that's that that's that particular sport. Um, yeah. Also, you know it's uh, it, it, not only from a tra- tra- traumatic I mean into the body standpoint, but a nervous system standpoint. Again, we're looking at what the capabilities of the nervous system are yeah. and what we can reasonably act.
0: is absolutely what i wanted to hear it was kind of it was kind of like that little not trick question loaded question but exactly like i i like one thing i think that your strength coaches need to have more of a appreciate for is stress physiology again as you use a, a perfect algebra, we only have one well that we draw from and uh you know i think a lot of strength and conditioning coaches lose sight that the sport itself is a lot of stress to the organism particularly when it's <laughs> particularly when we're in in the heat of competition and championships like okay maybe a scrimmage as you guys call it we call them ch- challenge matches over here they, they're obviously not going to have the the same demand on the organism as you know championship is going to have on the organism and you know i've often heard james smith the thinker speak about like th- speak about this and he's like like people he's like coaches just don't have an appreciation for the stress that competition puts on the the you know the 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 organism's biological output You know, so, again, as you said, are we going to do two or three aggressive strength sessions? No, because it's going to draw too much from the the central nervous system and not leave enough in the tank for for the sporting performance itself.
1: That's where where Charlie Francis and the stuff that you read about Charlie Francis becomes extremely important, again, for me, right? Like, Charlie's going to go out and he's going to do his movement session with sprints, and he's going to have a, a, and he would have, you know, his his lift design as well, and if the movement is set, showed that it took too much from the nervous system it wasn't like all right we're gonna shut that moving out and then go and, and lift it was okay we're done for today yeah because, yeah yeah because we've drawn from the well and i'm not gonna get any more by going into a different environment because that would assume that you've got three different wells, and it's like all right we just taxed the movement well now let's go tax the strength well oh and we'll be like no like the well is dry right like yeah. you're not i'm gonna go to another one um and, and that's where uh I love you say this is all GPP training. Um, it, it's it's the understanding that when we think of energy system development, we're thinking about how we're drawing from that well.
0: Mm.
1: And when the well is dry, it's dry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so so that's the way I also think about strength training and I think about the application is from the beginning. How are we drawing from well to uh, benefit? And, if it, and understanding that you know, there's only so much...
0: You can do the, the, there's a an unreal thing I learned from Charlie. I was watching, you know, his it was his weights for his weights for speed, and uh, you know he speaks about you know people would often say, oh you know Olympic lifting is you know for, for you know again we're 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 assuming here that an athlete is capable is can do an Olympic lift variation very very well is competent in Olympic lift variations you know power clean power snatches, and people go you know you know the Olymp- <coughs> Olympic lifts you know they're brilliant for speed development and all that. And Charlie was like, Yeah, they are, but he's like, there there's a point in, in a sprinter's development and any sort of alactic aerobic athlete or, or who are in a sport where there's a huge speed and alactic component where the Olympic lift actually is too close to the same central nervous stressors exactly. as as exactly. the sport. So he, he's like he's like it's actually drawing too close from the same well and he's like that's actually when you need to either drop it, drop it out or actually go back to things that are further away in the spectrum of specificity so he was talking with Ben he was like that's why i did incline bench press with Ben he was like it was still a stimulus to his, to his organism to keep his global strength but it wasn't so specific that it tapped into too much cns uh too too much of the cns system so it drew too much fatigue and then he, it, it it then diminished his speed work like so i thought like exactly. when, when i when i watched that the first time i was like that is fucking genius
1: but that is exactly it right and that's why it's interesting like with our system with the exo system you know we teach a lot of components we teach you know plyometric development movement development strength development and a lot of t- times i think people assume that what we're trying to do and i understand that you've got different types of current training conjugate training the idea is
0: yeah yeah
1: you're training all of those things you get to a point in our system where you should be able to to identify what it is of those components that you need to utilize to be able to get your gain. It's not, it's not the use of all of them. So there are some, some days where it's just a plyo day because, like you said, that that is. What we, if we were going to do plyos and like do them aggressively to the point where we're trying to get that nervous system response, but then also expect to then go into the weight room and do a max strength day and expect that we're going to get the same output, then we're then, then we are being as irresponsible responsible in our understanding of what the nervous system can do as possible right so so uh, for, for the same point that you just made with Charlie it's like there, there's a point where they're too close together that you can't expect to be able to ma- maximize both yeah, yeah. in the same in the same um, session without creating a level of exhaustion yeah. or with the expectation that you're actually going to maximize your use of both to get the results that you want there's, there comes a point where they're too close together and it is our responsibility to understand Again, force equals mass times acceleration where those two pieces, or three pieces, or four pieces, are now not actually yielding any results because you've already exhausted them in the first twenty minutes of your session. You know what I mean? So
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, and
1: extremely, extremely critical.
0: Oh it's it's yeah, <clears throat> it's brilliant, it's brilliant stuff like and it's you know, it's it's no surprise that you've the same appreciation for, for that type of stuff as myself. But uh we just one one kinda last question and then we'll just wrap it up is um like we we seem to be like in this i've had this conversation with james smith as well you know that we're very sort of narrow in our in our or we we come from a place where we were narrow or there is people still in this sort of narrow mindset that you know it's strength and speed and you know uh plios they're all kind of these separate entities so like what i'm trying to say is that people look at like quality speed training and they don't see that as strength training as well like As in, like, they don't think that someone can get strong from just throwing med balls and jumping and and speed work. And, you know, reading Cal Dietz's work, he spoke about these players who he took who already were very strong from a force output, you know, so, you know, lifting heavy loads. And he put them on, like, very, very, like, 25 to 55% of their 1RMs, but it was really high velocity stuff. And when he went to retest the 1RMs, they all got stronger you know but yeah if you were to like have a conversation i'd say like with most coaches they'd be like oh you, you can't you can't go like weeks on end without taking anything over 80 or 80 percent or 90 percent. you'll definitely your strength's going to drop off like so what why are we seeing some people in cal's case where people were sub-maximal for for weeks on end and yet their maximal strength actually went up or sometimes you'll often see track athletes who don't lift any weights at all All they do is jump, throw, sprint, and then just one day they're in the weight room and they do a bench press and they bench like one and a half times body weight or almost two times body weight and they've never done it before so like what what is that again is it is it just they're so neurologically more efficient like obviously that's a role in it too but because you'll often you'll often get people i know i'm rambling here but you'll often and we i'll say this and you probably say this too you need to be strong to be fast but then like it's kind of like well i've seen people who don't do any strength training and who are very fast explosive but yet are very strong so it's kind of like what what is the exact mechanism there obviously there's a neurological component but what do you think about that like well like you know the, the fact that you don't have to be doing maximal things all the time in terms of force output to keep your maximum strength up if that made Again, it, it, back, if that made any yeah, sense
1: no it makes, no, makes complete sense Robbie and it goes back to I, I hope I've, I've, I've made this clear at least in what my understanding of strength development is I look at things literally a lot of times and strength for me the definition of strength is the force the, is, exactly. the organisms or the nervous system ability to express force yes. force equals mass times acceleration. acceleration and again the traditional mindset has been that uh in order for you to get sh- stronger it is how you are manipulating the mass side of the
0: equation yeah, yeah, now yeah. there's
1: an inherent there's an inherent sort of uh, um implication in saying that at 80 percent, you're going to be able to maximize load times acceleration beyond black force go up that's mm. the inherent sort of implication of that eighty percent. It is not entirely true because we've seen that, and again, if you look at Louis, if you look at Cal, if you look at a lot of the research, we see that the maximal output is going to happen at around fifty to fifty-five percent. And the stronger you get, it's actually the lower the number, right? So we're yeah, looking at, yeah. and, uh, and Dan papers done on this work, we're looking at forty-eight percent to fifty-two percent in both extremity, is upper and lower. Where are you going to get that maximal force output? So yeah, again, strength is not your ability to lift a heavier, heavier load, mm. strength is your ability to express a higher level of force. The, the, the definition of load does not exist, the word load does not exist in the definition of strength. It is the expression of force. Yeah. And we understand that if you can accelerate something at a higher degree, then you're going to be able to demonstrate a heavier expression of force. Now the load becomes important, it can't be too light, but it also can't be too heavy. So. So can you get stronger working with sub loads? Absolutely you can. And to your point, point, can go back to it, sprinting is an expression of strength as well because yes, of the acceleration yes, component yes, at, yes. Your, at your weight. Right? So again, when I said I look at things uh, from a nervous system component, that's exactly how I look at it, mm-hmm. meaning what is going to be the force output, and that includes sprint, it includes jumping, it includes throwing, it includes uh, squatting and and. These camps, man, there is one well that Mm. you draw from, Mm -hmm. and it is how are you drawing from that well? Is it sprinting? Is it now understanding that sprinting is going to be different from squatting because in one instance your foot is flat on the ground and in another instance your foot is contacting the ground. So then how are you managing force on the sprinting side versus how are you managing force in the squatting side becomes the question. That's why the most powerful people in the weight room aren't necessarily always the fastest people are on the field. It's because now when you're in the environment of managing force applied to you versus developing force in a closed system, that becomes very different. And that's where that stuff becomes trippy. But Mm. in the just general sense of what you can output, it it comes from one place. And however you can get that force to be expressed at a a high level, i.e. some maximal weights, throwing things. Thing, jumping or then manipulating the mass side of the curve if that's where you are, that's when you start to really look at developing strength. That's when you're starting to get a true understanding.
0: Yeah, yeah. When
1: you're looking at the equation literally and then understanding how whatever it is you're doing is manipulating that equation in the way that you want it to, right? How am I manipulating the force equals mass times acceleration equation in the squat, in the sprint, in the throw? you can understand how that's being applied accurately
0: that's when you start developing your life. Dennis Logan that was a, a fucking unbelievable bit of answering right there so you know so for the listeners to summarize that it's not about strength it's the force we're trying to it's about a force output and force output with mass times acceleration and the other thing that popped into my mind there was that when people hear the term I'm a strength coach all they think is squat bench and deadlift or something like that or Olympic lifting and it's like being a strength coach is like sprinting throwing, jumping because you just said right, you said right there in the middle of your answer sprinting is one expression of strength and I'm like yeah that's what James Smith would say he's like I remember James Smith this was about three years ago and like i remember he turned to me and he just goes we were talking and he just was like because you know sprinting strength training you know that and i was kind of like yeah yeah and in my head i was like what's he talking about that's sprinting Joe's <laughs> you know, I was like <laughs> and then no like the more the more i've grown as a coach the more i've learned i'm like oh because i actually his exact words were he's like sprinting strength training you know that and i was like yeah, yeah and he goes it's speed strength and i was like i was and then like just again the more i learned I was like he was just like he's, He was one hundred percent correct. Like they're all forms of force expression. So if, if you're dealing with force, it is a you know it's strength development, whether it be a throw or a jump or a hop or a bound or a sprint or you're actually lifting a heavy load. It's all about force output. So Dennis, that was that was but that made the whole show. We could we could have just went with that question and that was you it. Yeah, yeah. It
1: should have been your first question, and, then, and, and uh, five minutes show and we're
0: done. Okay, just to to wrap up, because you have to go in twelve or ten minutes, twelve minutes. Uh. <coughs> Just uh, things I like to leave the, the listeners with What would be your, your top resources For any of the listeners And, and it doesn't have to be It uh, doesn't have to be only related to training Or whatever, it could be anything It could be uh, life related, spirituality It could be a book, a DVD A course, a person, whatever Like w- What's your top resources for anyone listening
1: Yeah man I think it, it, you, you hit the nail off on the head there's, there's a point where the X's and O's are You know They're always important and we talk about that today um and i was just talking about this with the coach here um my mentor uh who's a fantastic fantastic strength coach one of the best strength coaches i know um i uh i interned for him and the one book that he made us all read was man's search for meaning by victor franco
0: oh uh, i read that what a book
1: right and and, and again you're talking about, about a strength coach who's got uh, a bunch of young kids that are that are trying to learn the X's and O's of this game and the one resource that you would make us read that resource. Because again it's a it understanding purpose is the one underlying factor for everything that we do, right? This goes back to what we were talking about in context and what are you gonna do with this athlete, that like it's all about understanding purpose. And um and so if if, if there's one thing that I would leave with this and again, what is what's the purpose? You know what I mean? Like it all comes down to context. We could talk about the X's and O's, but uh, the purpose is, is the big thing. So I'd say that, man. Man, search for meaning or anything else that will lead you on 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 your path to to hopefully getting a better understanding or, or insight into what your purpose is. Um, that really becomes, or somebody else's, or helping them achieve it. You know, yours and helping someone someone else uh, get on that path. That's really what it's all about at the end of the day. You know, the, the strength training is is essentially helping somebody feel better about them being on their path towards a purpose that they believe right like this is all supplemental stuff this isn't the actual thing right this is all the support system um yeah so so that's where i would go
0: yeah i mean uh i absolutely you know i that's a a great book and this one of the quotes from it you know he's like those who have a why to live can bear almost any how."
1: any yeah exactly right so exactly right or the the
0: other one I, i haven't got the other quote in front of me but uh where he talks about people who are often say and just for people who don't know Viktor Frankl was a, was a psychoanalyst or a psychologist who, who was in the, uh, the concentration camps in World War II in Auschwitz but you know, he, he would often say that the ones who survived they were the ones who had a meaning in life but he would often say that the ones who were struggling or who didn't survive they'd always say to Victor, you know, I, I, I don't expect anything from life anymore and he would always flip the question and say well, what, what if life expects something from you yep and it was just amazing it puts tingles on my neck that book it was one of my favourite books ever I I actually it was one of those books where I picked it up and I read it in like a day you just devour it like yep uh, in terms of then just last question uh, advice then to, to I suppose you gave a bit of advice there in terms of that resource but advice to all coaches listen. I used to always say young coaches but I mean I've got coaches of all ages listening so what would be your top advice to, to anyone listening uh, a top advice is not to choose a
1: camp <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: You know, at the very, very beginning of this, and you ask me what I think the problem is, is understand that, you know, we're going through some certain growing pains and, and you know, don't choose a camp. I think everybody uh, is saying something that, that is an expression of what they believe is missing, and they're all right. You know what I mean? Mm, um, to a yeah. degree, everybody is right. If it's movement quality, if it is, you know, uh, variation with a, with a degree of, you know, uh, capacity to be able to deal with it if it's if whatever it is you know to a degree everyone is correct it's understanding and learning from it so that you're able to apply it in the context of your environment but um, um you know don't choose a camp you know what I mean
0: yeah
1: um, everybody is, is saying something as I and has observed something that probably needs to be addressed and so just be open-minded
0: brilliant um, brilliant Dennis, that is it for today's podcast. The audio held up pretty well. I hope it was a little bit shaky throughout. But, I mean, listen, as I said at the, during the podcast, I can't control the internet, guys. <laughs> if you, you can take it up with Nikola Tesla, but uh, he died like 70 years ago. So, uh, So Dennis, thanks a million. Just just quickly stay online while I wrap up, and I'll say my goodbye, because I know you have to leg like it. So, guys, that was a great interview with uh, Coach Dennis Logan. We'll definitely have him back on. Um, and we'll get into more of the nitty gritty details there kind of the second half of the podcast really got into all like the geeky shit that I like to talk about and no doubt Dennis likes to talk about too it was really really good so uh, for all you listening thanks for listening keep uh, downloading the podcast keep leaving reviews on iTunes and keep going to upmentorship.com help support the show and I'll speak to you soon guys take care and stay strong